This is the West Concord Sermon Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you receive a blessing from today's message. Well, Merry Christmas! Wait a minute. Haven't y'all been watching TV? Haven't you been out? The kids hadn't even gotten sick on the Halloween candy yet before the Christmas stuff started coming out. Haven't you noticed that? Susan and I went yesterday to run some errands. And every store we went into, man, it was Christmas stuff. Christmas trees, Christmas decorations, Santa Clauses. The pumpkin spice stuff is now in the corner, praise God. But man, we're getting started early this year. And here's what's going on. We're getting excited about Christmas and the holidays and things happening. Thanksgiving's coming, but we're not hardly paying attention to that. We're, we're already inundated because we want Christmas to be special. We want even our Thanksgiving to be special. Because after all, we see stuff. We have Thanksgiving coming and we want it to be, we want it to be like Hallmark's Thanksgiving on their movies. We want our Christmas to be like a Courier and Ives Christmas card. We have these expectations of the holidays. Interestingly enough, families struggle more during the holidays than they do at any other time of the year, more often than not. Mental health experts will tell you people struggle emotionally and mentally during the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, than much of the year. And why is that? Why are we that way? Well, it's one word, expectations. Expectations. We watch those Hallmark movies, at least we don't, you do, or maybe I don't, but uh, I've watched one or two and that, did, that was enough. We see all the stuff on Facebook of people's perfect holiday celebrations. We see the beautiful decorations and what our house is supposed to look like, food we're supposed to be eating, presents we're supposed to buy. And the problem is, if we burn the turkey or buy the wrong present, our holiday is just ruined. All because of expectations. But to be honest with you, the expectation problem, or as we're calling it, the expectation gap, we'll explain that in just a second, doesn't just happen during the holiday season. It's only magnified then. The fact of the matter is we suffer from poor expectations, misplaced expectations all year long. Let me ask you a question. Is your life what you thought it would be? Don't answer out loud. Are you living the dream that you had? Is everything working the way? Maybe it is. I hope so. At least if your dreams and hopes were good. But as we grew up and as we thought, I'm going to do this, I'm going to be that, and it didn't come about, more often than not it doesn't, not the way we want it to, we become broken. We thought we'd marry that certain person. We thought we'd have that certain house, that certain job, that prestige that I'm going to learn from all the dumb things my parents did and I'm going to do better. Really? See, this is what we call the expectation gap. Why do we call it this? Because there are two things, reality and expectations. 
And reality is reality. Expectations, those set us up more often than not for failure, disappointment, brokenness, and sadness. And with the advent of social media, it's gotten even more worse. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the expectation gap. Because let's face it, we all suffer from, <coughs> excuse me, at one time or another. There's an expectation gap. I've got juice here. <coughs> Pardon me. We all suffer from it at one point or another. Things don't work out the way we want. People disappoint us. Let me ask you a question or two. Have you been disappointed by somebody, especially a loved one? How about have you been disappointed by, have you been disappointed by the church? Or here's the big $64,000 question. Have you been disappointed by God? Thank you. Have you been disappointed by God? Don't look at me like you're some hyper-spiritual person. I don't want you to answer out loud because I don't want you to lie. And again, the problem is even worse because we go online and we see people's lives and we see their families and we only see the good things. And we think, well, they have a perfect family. They have all they want. They have all they need. What's wrong with me? And we get mad. And that is the expectation gap. Our hope over the next few weeks, and I, I'm not just preaching this stuff to you. I'm preaching to myself as well. I'm hoping over the next few weeks we can bridge or close a great deal of that expectation gap as we conf confront life not the way we want it, but as it really is. Mark Twain, who is considered a raconteur, an American treasure, had a lot of wise sayings. Don't agree with all of them, but he said this as far as expectation. And this is simple sense. I call it simple sense because I don't talk about common sense anymore. There's a reason for that. Do you know why? It's not very common, is it? But the simple sense, he said this about expectation. He says, climate is what we expect. Weather is what we get. Okay, how about that lately? Climate is what we expect. Weather is what we get. Welcome to the South where you get up in the morning and it's 30 degrees in the morning and 75 degrees in the afternoon. I don't know what to wear half the time. I expect it because it's November. It's going to be brisk and a little chilly. But toward the end of this week, if I understand the weather forecast right, it's going to be 80 degrees for a couple of days. Happy holidays. Not what I expect. Well, that's the reality. But we do that in life. We expect a climate. We expect a certain condition. But when reality rolls in, we're disappointed, disillusioned, and frustrated. Well, as we set the tone for this series, we're going to look at the book of Ecclesiastes briefly, namely the second chapter. And uh, Dr. Ed Young, a former uh, leader in our denomination, had written a book on Ecclesiastes, and I'm borrowing his title, Ed Young. 
And he wrote this wonderful commentary on the book of Ecclesiastes called Been There, Done That, Now What? That's a great title. I wish I had come up with that. Because that's, that sums up life to a great extent. And as you look at life and its expectations and its ex exploits, that's what the book of Ecclesiastes is really all about. King Solomon is the human author. God is the ultimate author. But King Solomon, because God had made him extremely wealthy, and God made him wealthy and allowed him to be wealthy because he first demonstrated wisdom, that doesn't mean all of those things go hand in hand. Just because we're wise doesn't mean you're going to be wealthy. But it does help in making your life stable and strong. Well, when Solomon first became king and God asked him basically, Solomon, what do you want that I can give you? So God offered Solomon a blank check. Can you imagine a blank check from God? Solomon, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. What would you, what would you tell God? What would you say to God? Well, Solomon said, I want wisdom so that I know how to go in and out and lead the people and, and do it well for your glory. God, what, a, what, a, what an answer. I'll be honest with you, I may not have come up with that answer on my own. I might have said something like, God, I would like a large amount of ribs in my freezer. You know, something silly or foolish like that. But listen, Solomon said, God, I want wisdom. And God granted him wisdom, supernatural wisdom. But he also granted him wealth because he did not ask for that first. And Solomon became one of the wealthiest human beings in the history of humanity. He became wealthy and blessed. And basically, this was one guy, he was at that level of wealth where he could do anything he wanted, be anything he wanted, anytime he wanted, without worry. That's what the world calls wealth. And so Solomon, as he is experimenting with this and applying wisdom to this world, he began to do experiments. And interestingly enough, I think this is where sometimes he did not apply that godly wisdom. He decided to try the world without God. He tried to live what he called under the sun or without God's influence. And as we open the book of Ecclesiastes to the second chapter this morning, we're going to see Solomon running after his expectations. Coming, I mean, after all, he was extraordinarily wealthy. And he just thought, I mean, if you all of a sudden became wealthy, what would you do with it? I bet if I walked up to you right now and said, if you suddenly got $10 million, what would you do with it? Oh, brother, pastor, I would tithe. Yeah. I bet if somebody else asked you the same question, that wouldn't have been your answer. Maybe it would. I hope it would. But Solomon decided to say, he said, look, I am going to do whatever I, I'm just going to do it, man. I'm going to see if wealth is all it's cracked up to be. And Solomon began to chase after certain expectations. We pick it up in chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes, beginning in verse 1. He said, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with mirth. He is going to do research. Now, this is going to be a fun type of research. Wouldn't you like to have $10 million or more to test and see what you would do with it? Anytime anybody in here wants to test me with that, I'll be in the back. So he decides to run after these expectations that wealth provides. 
And so he starts a research challenge, and he starts researching, and he starts throwing himself into it. You know, it's one thing, they didn't have Google back then, but we want to know something. We may, we may lazily look at Google, or we may check into something. He poured himself into this research. He wanted to know if he could live life and enjoy life apart from God, his word, and his guidance. Under the sun, he uses that phrase a lot in the book. We don't have time to go through the whole book, but he talks about life under the sun, and that's just a code for life apart from God. And he says, man, I've got the wealth. I'm going for it. So he says, he says I'm going to do some research. I'm going to chase after a few things like fun, laughter, and alcohol. Look what he says. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with mirth, happiness, fun. Therefore, enjoy pleasure. Have a good time. But surely this was vanity. That's another key word in the book of Ecclesiastes. Vanity. It's a Hebrew word. Chaleb. It means emptiness emptiness i said of laughter madness in other words it's foolish and of mirth or fun what does it accomplish in other words he was saying i, I went out to have as much fun and laughter as i could and understand this there's nothing wrong with fun and laughter nothing wrong with having a good time nothing wrong with enjoying something Nothing wrong with a funny story or having a good time with friends. The problem is when that comes with an expectation apart from God. But he decided to check and have a good time with fun and laughter. He goes on as he says, verse 3, I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine while guiding my heart with wisdom. I think he found out those two things don't go together. And how to lay hold on folly. In other words, how to enjoy foolishness till I might see what was good for the sons of men to do under heaven all the days of their lives. So he, he started this with the party stuff. He decided, I'm going to have a good time with what I've got. I want to see if I can have good time and fun and be fulfilled in it apart from God. So he decided to experience fun. To the, and when you're wealthy, you can have fun as the world calls it. You can do anything you want, anytime you want. He decided he was going to fill his life with laughter and, and comedy. And also he was going to just, just go for it alcohol. with alcohol. He's going to drink and get drunk and have a great time with it. And he did all of these things. Much like many of us do today. Much like many people do today. We just want to go out and have a good time. Life is a good time. And if life's not a good time, there's something wrong with life. That's what he was trying to understand. And it's interesting because he breaks this down in two ways. We have just saw the party dynamic. And that's how some people are in life. Life is a big party to them. Now again, nothing wrong with a party. As long as as we are partying, we are doing it under the auspices of God's word, according to his, his, his teachings. But then there's the other group. This is the work dynamic. Oh, you bunch of people, you party too much. You need to go and spend your time working. Build something, accomplish something. It's almost like a generational thing, but sometimes it's not because there are old people that party hardy and there are young people that work hard. But you have that dynamic. Oh, I haven't got time to go do all this fun stuff, I've got to work. I have to work 80 hours a week. 
because I'm going to make something of myself. I'm going to accomplish the American dream or whatever dream it is. For Solomon, it was the Israeli dream. I don't know what they called it. And so he did the fun and the laughter and the alcohol and the partying and the drinking. But notice he turned to something else as we continue on. He's doing his research, running after these expectations. Verse 4, he said, I made my works great. I built myself houses and planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards and I, and I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools for which to water the growing trees of the grove. So he's having a great time with uh, different building projects. He's the guy in your neighborhood who had the best lawn. He's the lady in the neighborhood who, who grew the best garden. That everybody as they drive by say, those people, they just show off. You know what I'm saying. They're probably the HOA people in your neighborhood. But he had the palatial, he could do anything. He had gardens and vineyards. He planted everything. He built grand, grand places to grow things and, the, and pools to water them. He was creating a paradise on earth because he was working hard. He also researched with power. He goes on to say in verse 7, I acquired male and female servants and had servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks. That was a measure of wealth in Solomon's day. Abraham, we find out, was very wealthy early in his life because he owned herds and flocks. It goes on to say, I had herds and flocks than, than all who were in Jerusalem before me. He goes, I also gathered for myself silver and gold and special treasures of kings and of provinces. As a matter of fact, the temple, the place of worship that Solomon built, when he built it, was one of the eight wonders of the world. The queen of Sheba left her, her kingdom and came just to see the temple. And Solomon overlaid the temple with, with sheets of gold so that it would glisten in the sunlight from any direction you'd approach it. I mean, this man, you talk about lifestyles of the rich and famous. He makes all the wealthy people today look like paupers. All the wealth, wealthy people today look like amateurs. He said, I gathered silver and gold and special treasure of kings and of the provinces. I acquired male and female singers, the delights of the sons of men, and musical instruments of all kinds. Building projects, power, prosperity, fame. I became the best. I became the brightest. You talk about celebrity. Solomon was the celebrity of the day. Even more of a celebrity than Taylor Swift. He was it, man. He was everything. So he, he had the party dynamic and he partied hard and had every opportunity to do whatever he want. Fun, laughter, drinking, parties. He could do it all. And he was the king. Nobody was there to fuss at him. Not only that, but for those people who say, well, you should be working and making something of yourself, he too. He worked, worked very hard in his vineyards, worked very hard to create a palatial home gardens and pools he went out and collected servants and gold and silver building projects and and created fame for himself in other words you name it he did it because we are told that that's what makes life worth living 
From the party dynamic side, we're told just to go out and have a good time because life is not forever. Go ahead and have fun now. Grab all the gusto you can get, they used to say. Only then can you really enjoy life. Unless you're out with friends, partying, unless you have social engagements, unless you're doing all these things, then there's something wrong with you. And then, of course, there's that other group that says, no, that's a bunch of wasted money and time. We need to go ahead and, and build things and be somebody. Make something of ourselves. Improve our community. Make a name for ourselves. Create wealth. And only if you do that are you important. And only if you do that have you accomplished something. Those are the two dynamics in life that we are facing. So he began running after those expectations and he did all this research, and let's read on. So in verse 9, he says, So I became great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained in me. So he did go out and party and work. But remember, God gave him wisdom. And when you're out there trying to have a great time or make something of yourself, sometimes that wisdom can be a pesky little annoyance because it was for Solomon. He was trying to enjoy his life apart from God, under the sun, without heaven. But the wisdom God had given him, what is wisdom? Wisdom is actually the proper application of knowledge. That's what wisdom is. You can be knowledgeable, you can be book smart, but you can be the, just as dumb as a rock as far as wisdom is concerned. Because wisdom is taking that knowledge you've learned and properly applying it in life. Now, Solomon was educated, but he also was wise because God had given them that. And all this stuff he tried to do, and this is what the whole book of Ecclesiastes is about, it didn't satisfy him. Let's read on. Verse 10. He says, Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my reward for all my labor. He said, man, I did it all. I had it all. I, I became all of it. And then verse 11, he says, then I looked on all the works that my hands had done and on all the labor which I had toiled. And here's the result of his research, at least the initial result. He said, indeed, all was vanity and grasping for the wind. The word, remember, vanity, emptiness. It was empty. At the end of the day, it did not bring ultimate satisfaction. At the end of the day, there was no purpose in it. Because the parties end. The building projects crumble. The wealth fades away. In other words, life does not turn out the way we expect it to and it falls apart. And he said, this is all just emptiness. And he says, it's grasping after the wind. What an interesting analogy. Because if you reach out right now where you're sitting and grasp a handful of wind, you haven't got anything. How many of you remember did, you did show and tell when you were in school? Do they still do show and tell? I love show and tell because people brought in cool stuff. Next time your children have show and tell at school, tell them to bring a handful of wind. 
see what kind of grade they get, see what kind of, they're going to get laughed at, they're going to get made fun of. But Solomon said, this is what I was grasping after. I was chasing after the party dynamic. I was chasing after the purposeful dynamic. And, and it was just grasping after the wind. I came up empty. And he said, there was no prophet under the sun. There was no prophet under the sun. Again, under the sun, apart from God. It's all a bunch of expenditure and activity, regardless of how you do it, whether party or production. And that was what he found in his research. And quite frankly, that's kind of what we do today. We are blessed as Americans to live in the wealthiest nation on the planet. And we spend our money, don't we? We spend our money on stuff. We have a good time. And let me again give you a caveat. There's nothing wrong with enjoying your life as God gives it to you. There's nothing wrong with enjoying a, a good time. There's nothing wrong with having something nice. There's nothing wrong with that. Within the context of God's provision and God's blessing. I had a pastor friend of mine many years ago. We used to meet a bunch of us for lunch every Wednesday. There was about 12 or 15 pastors in the greater Cabarrus County area. And we'd gather Golden Corral or one of those places and we would eat lunch. And one day we were at one of the Chinese buffets because pastors go to buffets. Look at us. We go to buffets. <laughs> Paul said, who could buffet my body more than me? Okay, we go to buffets. Look it up, 1 Corinthians. Anyway, I think he meant buffet, but it depends on how you spell it. We were all there and we pulled up. And we were in the lobby waiting for the last guy to get there. Brother Ken. And we're sitting there looking out the plate grass window of the Chinese restaurant in Kannapolis. All of a sudden, Brother Ken rides up in a brand new, brand new, plum-colored Ford Expedition. It was, it was cherried out with everything, man. You had, it was cool. He took it, we were sitting there all like this. And we thought, his church isn't any bigger than ours is. And we had to leave the audit. We had to go outside to see this. So we're out in the parking lot, and he's getting out of the van, and we're all looking at him. Where'd you get the money for that? Your treasurer is going to come after you at your church. And he looked at us, and he said, fellas. He said, I take my money that the church pays me. He said, I tithe it and give offerings from it. He said, I pay my bills, I save, and yet at the end of it, after several years, God has blessed us, and so I'm enjoying God's blessing. And that's okay. We all said, no worries. Because once we, once we do those obligations and God blesses us, praise the Lord, enjoy it. So again, there's nothing wrong with enjoying the good things that God gives us. It's when we enjoy them without him and set expectations that that will satisfy us. Parties will make our lives what they need to be. Production will make us who we need to be. And we push God aside. That's what Solomon was doing. He was running after expectations. I want to make my life great. I'm going to do great things. Problem Solomon had, and he knew this because that pesky wisdom kept coming back up. In doing this expectation chase, he ran into reality. He ran into reality. You can read a little bit more between verses 11 and 24, but we're going to jump down to verse 24. 
And we're going to see the reality that uh, he ran into. As we pick it up in verse 24, he said this. He had learned a bitter truth. Now let me go ahead and just clarify. He had learned a bitter truth. He basically, as you read verses 12 through 23, he went for it. You know, that's the thing today. Go for it. Do what you can. Just go for it. Don't worry about, don't worry about anybody. Don't worry. Just go for it. Go for it in life. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, if we want to accomplish something and we feel like we've been gifted and enabled, then yeah, we go for it. And Solomon went for it. He went for it, but he never got it. Oh, he did all the stuff, but it didn't provide any kind of satisfaction. It didn't provide any real lasting joy. It didn't provide any peace. Have you felt that before? Search the research, search your mind and think. You had this grand experience and it just didn't pay off the way you thought it should. Or you were, you were planning a vacation. This is the best one. You're planning a vacation. And you're going to go to this place that everybody talks about. And everybody tells you, it's great. And you saw the pictures on social media. And when you get there, it's been the worst week of your life. You had that one? Let me tell you, if you've been on a mobile home trip or a cruise ship, you know what I'm talking about. Or you see these Hallmark specials of these families gathering in these amazingly clean homes, sparkling with decorations, you know, all that stuff, and everybody's just so happy and everybody's pretty. And you think that's going to be your Christmas, and then Uncle Floyd comes, and it just falls apart. Two Christmases ago, we had it all set up. We had all our plans. The Farleys were all set up, and then we had no power all day. I had planned to create a rib roast in the oven that would make Emerald Lagazi cry. You know what we had for dinner that night? Andy and I went to McDonald's and had Big Macs. <laughs> Merry Christmas. We were going to watch a wonderful Christmas movie. We did. Not on our big TV at home, but on my little TV in my office. We had to come to my office because we didn't have any heat at home. I don't know what Susan and Liddy did. They went off on their own. So Christmas was, you know, and we had expectations, and we were discouraged. And then we finally came to the end of the day and thought, well, it was still good. We're still alive. We have full bellies and a lot of nice stuff. See, we went for it, but we didn't get it. Not the way we expected. Have you ever gone for it and it didn't turn out? Have you ever made an investment because somebody told you it was the way to do it? Have you ever, have you ever chased after somebody because they were the one? You ever gone and done something and it didn't work out? That's the reality of life. We expect climate, but we get weather. How many rains, how many parades rather, have you had rained on? Because reality is reality. It's not going to change. So he had a bitter truth. He went for it, but he never got it. So here's the better truth. Verse 24, nothing is better for a man or a woman than that he should eat and drink and that he should enjoy the good of his labor. This also I saw was from the hand of God. For who can eat or who can have enjoyment more than I? 
You know, I, I knew that verse before I knew the book of Ecclesiastes because I had a buddy in Bible college that would sign all of his correspondence with Ecclesiastes 2.25. Who can eat or hasten thereunto more than I? King James. He said, for God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to a man is, who is good in his sight. In other words, again, there's nothing wrong with having a good time. There's nothing wrong with expectations as long as your expectations and my expectations are ground first in God. And we're going to talk about sometimes how God can perceive or can, we can perceive that God is letting us down. But our expectations need to be originally and, and, and specifically grounded and focused upon God and His Word and His promises. And also in reality. Reality. People ask me, Pastor, do you have a Christian worldview? No. Pastor, do you have a biblical worldview? No. Really? You're a preacher. Well, the problem with the Christian worldview depends upon how we interpret Christianity. So we create our own little religious thing going on. We call it churchianity. And then it depends upon how you interpret the Bible, whether you interpret it clearly and correctly or you're putting things into there. You, you know, both Christian worldview and biblical worldview can be different with different people. Over the years, I have just decided I'm going to have a reality worldview. I'm neither an optimist nor am I a pessimist. I'm a realist. Because number one, reality, reality does not conflict with God's word, nor does it conflict with God's plan. Why? Because it's reality. Oh, I can create my own fantasies, whether it's a party fantasy or a production fantasy problem with that is from each one I'm going to fall. I need to zoom in on reality. And what Solomon, in his wisdom, the gift that God had given him, as it clicked in, he gave him a better truth. First of all, be content with what you have. True happiness, true joy, true fulfillment comes when you and I look at our lives and say, you know what, I'm blessed with what I have. Contentment is one of the keys to living a peaceful life. Contentment basically acknowledges reality around you. And let's face it, there is nobody in this auditorium, at least that I'm aware of, that's blindingly wealthy. And there's nobody who is dirt down in the gutter poor that I, that I know of. If you are, let, we'll help you. But I mean, the reality is we all have had plenty to eat today, most likely. The reality is we're wearing nice, clean clothes. We have ways of getting around. We have a house or an apartment that we live in. The reality is we have enough. We may not have everything we want, but most likely we have everything we need. And generally when we get what we want, it doesn't always satisfy us. Oh, pastor, that's not true. Really? Go to the store the day after Christmas. Stand in the return line. We don't always get what we want, but if we understand that, reality is we're pretty blessed as a people. So Solomon said, this is what I found out, and this comes from the hand of God. He said, eat and drink and that we should, our soul should enjoy good in our labor. In other words, we should enjoy the blessings that come from working hard. Not work for the sake of work, but work for the sake of provision for God and from God. 
So he said, here's the thing, for God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to a man who is good in his sight. In other words, as we honor God and as we walk with him, that is where our pleasure and joy and fulfillment should come from. This is the better truth that he learned. He said, but, as he finishes, but to the sinner he gives the work of gathering and collecting, that he may give it to him who is good before God. In other words, someone else is going to get it at some time. This also is empty vanity and grasping at the wind. We come into life with expectations. And more often than not, those expectations are misplaced, misinformed. We think that good time is going to make everything in our life good. And, it, and it's good. It's fun. Good times are great for a season. Party, parties end sometimes. All the time. Building stuff and being productive and being famous and being something and someone. What we call the American dream, I'll submit to you, and I'm, I'm a patriotic America, I, American. I love our country, but for many Christians, the American dream is the biblical nightmare. Because we think that American dream is what we're living for when we should be living, not for the American dream, but we should be living toward God's reality being grateful for what God has given us. If God energizes us and gives us opportunities, we should take advantage of them. But at every turn and every step, the only joy we will experience is when we do what we do for God and give Him the glory in it, give Him the honor in it. That is where true joy comes from. And the expectations that we should have is expect that reality is going to be just what it is. And at times that means it's going to be difficult. C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors, had this to say about the whole situation. Basically, we need to bring truth from reality. He said, we were promised sufferings. Whoa, wait a minute, Pastor. We were promised sufferings. They were a part of the program. There's an old saying, God never promised you and I a rose garden. We were promised sufferings. They were part of the program. We were even told, blessed, listen, this is from the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5, blessed are they that mourn. We don't want to hear that. We want to laugh. We want to celebrate. Don't get, keep the sad people away from me. He said, blessed are they that mourn. Why are they mourning? Because they are realizing that at times life is difficult and we have to handle it and deal with it. And understand, this is from a man who came to Christianity. He was an atheist. He was a scholar. And he found Christ, and he met this godly woman who helped bring him to Christ. Her name was Joy. And he would say she was the joy of his life. And they were so much in love. And he found Christ, and they were growing in Christ. And then soon after they were married, she contracted cancer, and she died. Such a tragedy. Some people would have just turned away from God. But C.S. Lewis embraced the reality and even became a deeper scholar for the things of God. And he began to continue to live for the Lord and honor Him until his death. He died actually the same day John F. Kennedy was shot. And he wrote this after he had experienced this horrendous struggle and grief. 
He read, blessed are they that mourn. He said, and I accepted it. I've got nothing that I hadn't bargained for. He said, of course, it is different when things happen to oneself and not to others and not just in our imaginations. In other words, we feel sorry when somebody else gets sick. We feel sad when other, but that's not supposed to happen to me. I'm a Christian. I'm an American. I'm this, I'm that. No, no. Reality is reality. And so the key, if we're going to find purpose and fulfillment, and if we're going to keep getting dashed by our false expectations, David Bearden had this to say as we close. He said, my encouragement to you is to always be on a quest for the truth and not simply for things that will make you happy. Why is that? Because more often than not, the things that we think will make us happy don't. But the truth, the truth of reality, the reality created by God, as we seek his face within that, we will always find joy, purpose, even in the tough times, and fulfillment. So he encourages us, as Solomon told us, instead of being on a quest for happiness, if we want to live lives of peace and fulfillment, contentment and joy, we need to be on a quest for truth. And that's what we're going to do over the next few weeks. We're going to look at God, the church, our families, our friendships, our hopes and dreams. We're going to look at those things and ask ourselves, what is the truth? And how should we mold our expectations so that we might live the most fulfilled life we can for God? Let's close in prayer. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed this morning. What did you expect coming in here today? As we're taking a quiet moment. Maybe you expected a message that would change your life. Maybe this was it, maybe not. I hope it had some impact, not because of me, but because of the Word of God. Maybe you came in here, you're, hope, you're hoping maybe that God would do X, Y, and Z for you. Or perhaps God has A, B, and C rather planned. What we need to do is we need to embrace reality and look at how God has blessed us. Not how we want him to bless us, not how we, we think he should bless us, but look at how he blesses us and be grateful even in the struggle, even in the difficult situations and scenarios of life, as believers in Christ, we have God to carry us through. And I believe there are many in this room that God has carried you through so much. I know he's carried me through. Things I wouldn't have done well without him. Reality is the key. Truth is the key. And the reality is none of us deserve anything from God. Not even heaven. No one deserves to go to heaven. No one deserves a relationship with God. We are broken, sinful, and fallen. The reality is we are sinners separated from God until we come to the place where we admit our sin, confess our sin, own our sin, and cast our faith fully and completely on Jesus Christ. The reality is he came to earth sinless as God in the flesh, and he took the cross of Calvary. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning. He was falsely charged, falsely accused. 
You talk about unfairness. The greatest unfairness in human history was when the Son of God, perfect and majestic, had your sin and mine dumped upon him unfairly, unjustly. He became sin for us who knew no sin, that through faith in him we might be made the righteousness of God in him. If you're here and you've never trusted Jesus, accept the reality of your own lostness and sinfulness. All of us are there and have been there. And accept the reality of Jesus Christ's payment on your behalf, his death on your behalf for your sin. Trust him and God says he will give you everlasting life as a free gift. Not my words, he uses the phrase free gift many times in the scripture. It wasn't free to him, it cost God everything, Christ, his life, pain, struggle, grief. So that he might give it to you and I freely. If you've never trusted him and placed your faith in him, do so today. But if you know Christ as Savior, are you living for him and his glory, enjoying the reality that he's given you and the gifts that he's given you? Or are you seeking the fun and fulfillment, the status and the stature of life apart from him? I guarantee if you're doing that, no matter what mask you put on, you're struggling. Because you have to go from one shiny bauble to the next, one experience to the next, one one roller coaster ride in life to the next. And you still feel frustrated, disillusioned, tired and angry. I submit to you that the world is full of God's reality. This is the reality, and the reality is God has loved us, has blessed us. Even in the most difficult times, we have God to carry us. So I encourage you this morning as we close, if you know Christ, cast your life upon him. Set aside those expectations. Been there, done that. Now, fall upon Christ. Let's stand as we close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, as I go through my life, Lord, there are times I am so disappointed, so discouraged, and so, so angry and frustrated and anxious because, Lord, I'm trusting in the good efforts. I'm trusting in my money. I'm trusting in my work. I'm trusting in myself. Father, all those things let me down, especially myself. Father, people who love me are in my life, friends, family, church members. I often place too high expectations on them and they let me down. More often than not, the fault is not with them but with my expectations. Father, help me not to chase fun and frivolity and production and status. Father, help me to chase you. Help me to find my fulfillment in you, my joy in you, and to accept reality as you give it and lift it up to you to work it out. Thank you for the privilege of being here. Thank you for these wonderful people who've come. Give us help, we pray in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, Amen. Amen. For additional sermon resources and to find out who we are, visit us online at westconcordchurch.com. Thanks for listening.